0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com.
1: Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexa Santos, a senior producer at the Feed Feed. The Feed Feed is the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the Feed Feed podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. I'm very excited today to be joined by Aviva Wittenberg, a home cook who has been sharing her adventures in lunch packing online at Aviva Wittenberg for the last seven years. She's packed more than 3,700 lunches and counting, and her debut cookbook called Lunchbox just came out this month. It features literally months worth of recipes for flavorful, filling, nutritious, and delicious meals guaranteed to stay fresh until lunch. Well, I feel like I need another lunch, that is for sure, and thank you so much for being here, Aviva.
3: Oh, thank you. I'm so pleased to be here.
1: Amazing. So take me back to the very beginning. How did this whole lunchbox, uh, I guess, obsession, healthy obsession, we'll call it that, how did that develop?
3: Well, you know, so it sort of came about a little bit accidentally. um, When my now 17-year-old was about 10, she really wanted an Instagram account. Mm -hmm. And so the deal I made with her and also other parents with kids in her class was that they could all open Instagram accounts, but we would as well. And we would follow all the kids to be sure that they weren't being awful online and yes. teach okay. them to be like responsible digital citizens. Good call. Honestly, uh, so that. that's the yeah. way to do it. <laughs> it was good. And you know, it was a safety thing too, was the reality. Because they yeah, were, you know, we didn't know. And they, like, they had to learn to have private accounts and just yeah. be like good people online. Yes. Um, so I did that. And my friends were <laughs> like, you know, you should post something and I discovered there was a really great lunch packing community on Instagram. I thought, you know what, I'll share lunches. I love, you know, I like making them, I love to cook. I'm so passionate about food. Um, So I decided I would share them every day and share, you know, ideas with other people. And not only would it be fun to participate in, it would be a really nice record for me at the end of the school year uh, to see what I had packed my kids. Um, So that's where it began. And Mm -hmm. I just continued to share. And it was as my kids have gotten older, their tastes have changed. So it's been interesting for me as a parent to see that, but also fun to pack more grown up stuff. And from that, uh, this book came about.
1: Yeah, my goodness. So it's been seven years then that you've been sharing the lunches. So what what was kind of that evolution like? Did it start as, you know, really easy things and then you kind of had realized how much you had to, I mean, at 3,700 lunches, I can't even really think of 10 lunches. So how did that, how did that evolution go?
3: Well, so they're definitely not all different. It's not 3,700 unique lunches. There's <laughs> repeats in there. Um, so, you know, it started... You know, we have like a set of restrictions, so it's interesting. So there's like a set of restrictions at school about what the kinds of foods we can send to school here. So our schools uh, in Canada are mostly nut free, and we've had some years where they've been seed free. And depending upon different allergies in the classroom, we've had to adapt a little bit. Um, So that is, you know, was sort of the starting point and from there, I was happy to pack just about anything. Uh, I live in Toronto, which is like an amazing, diverse, multicultural city. So a lot of what my kids have always eaten has been inspired by the community around us. Uh, Like up the street from our house, there are restaurants literally from all over the world. And Mm -hmm. so that is reflected in lunch every day and the things that they love.
1: Yeah. Well, that's adorable. And so... How so you obviously evolved in what you were doing with this, but I assume with your with your child, I don't know if that's your only one or you had multiple, but yeah. Yeah. I assume that the taste for what you were packing also evolved quite a bit. So did that kind of dictate a lot of what you were doing?
3: So you probably, so I have two kids uh, and their preferences are very different uh, from each other, just like any two people. Yes, Um, of course. And so I have to accommodate that also just from like a practical standpoint, it's easier to pack them both the same thing than two different lunches. Um, So there was definitely some compromise, but they are, I'm very lucky, are both pretty adventurous eaters. And so I could pack them anything. And that, um, that's really just how they were born and not a function of parenting. Um, It's really just- But you got lucky. (laughs) We got really lucky. I think some people feel badly when their kids are not as adventurous, but like, I didn't do anything. Like, this is really just who they are. Um, And it's so, it's so nice, right? Because you can explore the world through food, uh, even when you can't go very far.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. My goodness. So then when, I guess, obviously you mentioned kind of having a passion for food, when did that start developing?
3: So I think I've just always loved to eat. Um, And my mom is an amazing cook and also took advantage of the diversity of the city to inspire the food she used to make us growing up. Um, and so I think it's just always been a part of me. And certainly I know when I went to university, I was really happy to procrastinate and not do my studying, um, and cook instead. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: So was it your mom who kind of started teaching you how to cook or did you just kind of, it was a trial and error?
3: (laughs) So I would cook. Yeah. So I would cook alongside of her. And so that was really, you know, you sort of just like learn from observing. And then when I went and moved out uh, on my own, when I was in university, I really had to learn through trial and error uh, because I had to feed myself. Mm Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it was really it was sort of that and I didn't want to eat sort of like instant box kind of food we wanted to eat like nice like real food yeah all the time and I had a great roommate who was just as invested in in cooking nice food so we would spend a lot of time cooking for each other and taking turns each night so that we had good food on our table all the time good
1: yeah well look at that yeah. so what is like the type of um cuisines that you would say that you kind of have the most experience with or like, you know, have started to kind of
3: get to know the most or, you know, that you enjoy making the most of? Hmm. So I don't know if it's around cuisine. So a lot of the food I, um, like most of my cooking is pretty improvisational, you know, sort of whatever mm-hmm. I have, I'll cook with. Um, we get a box of produce from a farm just outside of the city each week. Um, and so most of what we eat is really seasonal. Uh, so the box just came today and it is like filled with like lots of nice hearty greens. There's like kale and chard, it's potatoes. I'm sure there's some squash at the bottom. Uh, there are sweet potatoes. Uh, so a lot of it is just driven by what, um, what I have on hand well, more than yeah. a particular cuisine. And then I've got lots of really nice spices um, on hand as well. And lots of really nice spice mixes. One of the best things about the last two years was discovering all of the really great small food businesses around the city. Uh, And there's one that makes the most amazing blends and pastes that can form a basis for any meal. So I rely on that kind of stuff for quick food, especially.
1: Ooh, yeah. I mean, that seems like it kind of gets the job done, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So when you're making these lunches, what's kind of the process? Are you Kind of making sure you get something in there that's fresh. Are you making sure that there's a you know a fair representation of protein and vegetables? Like, what are the what are the equations that you're running through when you're
3: preparing these lunches? Oh, absolutely. So I'm sort of thinking what I love about uh, packing lunches and bento boxes, which is what a lot of the the book is is that you have sort of a tray that's all divided up and you can figure out how to work in all the kind of major food groups at the same time. So I think okay. about having fruit and veggies, having some kind of protein and some kind of like carby, starchy sort of thing in every meal. And so sometimes those things are all broken up separately or sometimes they're all folded into like a hand pie or a dumpling or a samosa. Um, but they, I try to work all of them in. Um, but also being mindful that eating is kind of a long game. So if my kids don't eat or if I don't eat vegetables at one meal, I'll eat them at dinner. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that it all kind of works out over the long term. You know, I don't get too hung up on it. Yeah. Um, But you want good food to give you like good energy for the rest of the day, whether it's at work or at school, you want to set yourself up for being like productive and feeling good and awake. Um, All of that stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, one issue I typically have when I and packing lunches or, you know, even when you get takeout from a, you know, from a place that has sandwiches or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be is keeping all the different food kind of like separated and not like leaking on each other and getting bread and wraps soggy is that I feel like there's a lot of a thought that goes into, you know, pre packing, you know, lunches that will stay good and not kind of like get gross throughout the day. So is that a big part of it too? 100%.
3: It's a great chapter. My editor on the book was so great in setting up a whole bunch of strategy sections so that that didn't happen. So your sandwiches aren't soggy by the time lunch rolls around. Um, And we offer really good tips and tricks with every recipe to be sure that uh, you do end up with something that's delicious. Because if you've invested like time and effort and thought, it's such a drag if it's like just a big soggy mess at lunchtime. Yeah. Um, So, you know, with sandwiches, it means not packing like tomatoes on your sandwich right next to the bread. Um, Mm -hmm. Really practical stuff like that. And if you're using a bento, it may be around sealing each section off from each other. So you don't get one food running into another. Um, I can remember sending my kids sushi, and there's nothing wrong with shortcuts. I'll pick up sushi anytime uh, to throw in their lunchboxes for school. And she had used, you know, soy sauce on her sushi, and it had leaked from one section in the bento into like some berries or some watermelon. No! And she came home and was so mad. <laughs> so, like, you learn from experience um, what you need to do to keep food tasting good. Um, Oh my gosh! Yeah, I would be sealing off wet fruit. Oh, she was furious. I would be freaking out.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So what are some of? the, I mean, I meant you mentioned that there was kind of a whole section on strategy. Are there any like sneak peek tips you can give me to work with that I can remember as I go throughout my life?
3: (laughs) Yeah. uh, So you know, in just in general, I think it's worth investing in great lunch gear. Um, I've bought inexpensive stuff that hasn't made it through a school year or, you know, just like breaks for my own use. Mm. Um, so it's worth spending like a little bit more on getting something that's like stainless steel. Uh, I love a series, uh, there's a company called Lunchbots and they make these great stainless bentos that honestly they're indestructible. The ones in my book that are photographed in the book are about 10 years old. Um, wow! And I was going to buy new ones. I'm like, do you know what? This is like a testament to how great these things are and why it's worth spending just a tiny bit more um, to get something that will really last you forever. Um, so, you know, there's, a, so getting the right gear, also knowing the limitations of your gear. So a lot of the stainless bentos aren't leak proof. So it's worthwhile getting little uh, containers that are leak proof for things like hummus or salad dressings or other dips Uh, that could leak out and then slightly bigger containers that are leak proof as well for things like um, yogurt or like fruit, like watermelon. That's very juicy.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So
3: the other things like that and just having sort of the right gear and the gear that will last you for a long time. Uh, And then the only thing that I don't spend a lot on are lunch bags because things will leak out, especially if you're not very careful Sealing stuff up afterwards. Um, And so lunch bags only last so long, and there are only so many times that you can wash them
1: uh, Mm -hmm. to get
3: them smelling fresh again.
1: Yeah, not like salad dressing and whatever yeah, else. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was
3: one tuna fish salad that leaked into a neoprene lunch bag one time. <laughs> it just, no matter how many times I washed it, I could not get the smell out. So
1: yeah, I don't think there's yeah. really any coming back
3: from that. Unfortunately, no, <laughs> it was not great. So yikes! Um, yeah, so I don't spend a lot on those.
1: Yeah, and so yeah. do you? You mentioned the stainless steel. You like those better than like plastic or glass or anything like that.
3: You know, I use glass and ceramic uh, for myself. I have some really nice ceramic lunch bowls that have like a watertight lid that are mm. great for salads and bowls. And they're great for adults. They're not great for kids. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, just in case of dropping them. Like it's, You know, my kids are, you, know, you see kids when you drop them off at school, you know, fling their backpacks across the schoolyard. Um, so stainless is better for them. And with plastic, plastic uh, can drop. Or when you drop it, it can crack. Um, and my experience with it is that they just don't hold up as long. And so if you figure if you're packing lunch for your kids and they have 12 years of school, um, it would be great to only buy them a lunchbox once instead of every year. And the plastic yeah. ones we started off with, I was replacing more often than every year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, yeah. you know, in an ideal world, that would be where we were at, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So obviously we have a huge emphasis on lunch but mm-hmm. as far as other meals of the day, what do what are kind of your your inspirations for as you know you're making dinner for your family? are you it's kind of lunch your big your big hurrah and then dinner's much easier or <laughs> what does kind of the rest of the day look
3: like for you? It's <laughs> so it's so funny. So my kids have actually been at camp all summer and they just came home after being away for eight weeks. Uh, So I have to figure out how to make dinner and all these things again. Um, So, you know, with um, I find with especially when my kids were younger, we did a lot of kind of DIY meals um, where I would have different vegetables and proteins and grains and stuff all set up. And you could assemble your own noodle bowl or grain bowl or salad or whatever it was. And everyone could pick and choose what they wanted. It was just an easy way to meet everyone's needs. And the other upside of doing stuff like that was that you would have a whole bunch of stuff prepped in your fridge that you could use for lots of different things, including lunch the next day. Um, So we might have like a taco bowl kind of thing for dinner. And the next day I could pack quesadillas for lunch with the same black beans and the same like guacamole and pico de gallo on the side. So it was, you know, about being pragmatic about my, the time I was spending in the kitchen too. Mm-hmm. So we do stuff like that. And with the summer, cause it's hot right now, we're doing a lot of outdoor food, outdoor pizzas and salads and the stuff that, um, is so good uh, yeah. in the summer.
1: Yeah. That sounds like, that sounds like a blast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and especially, yeah, I totally know, I mean, my cousins are, you know, away at camp and, I know exactly how that goes. So when you're, uh, you know, my aunts and uncles, when the kids get, when the kids are gone, it's like a completely different life you lead. And then oh, they yeah. come back and you're like, oh, wait a
3: second. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> like dust off the kitchen.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Life was a bit simpler there for a bit, wasn't it?
3: It it was. Yeah, it really was. Or, you know, you just make yourself like a little salad, but, you know, you've got a, a responsibility to free, feed my kids. So yes, that, yeah, oh um, gosh, that yeah. starts again tonight.
1: Well, yeah. Well, yeah. look at that. And with your book coming out, and then now the yeah. kids come home. So I can imagine you are incredibly busy at this p- current moment.
3: <laughs> yeah, luckily all good busy- busyness, but um, yes, yeah, busy <laughs> for
1: sure. And so then yeah. in Canada, I mean, is mm-hmm. it? Did you grow up there, or what is kind of your your background?
3: Yeah, I grew up in Toronto, um, and actually, you know, just a few kilometers from. I live a few kilometers from where I lived most of my life. Um, and yeah, Toronto is such an interesting place because there are so many different influences. Um, my parents immigrated here. So I'm the first first person in my family to be born uh, in Toronto.
1: Okay. And mm-hmm. where did they come from?
3: Oh, so my mom is from Scotland. Uh, okay. And my dad is French, but his family is Polish. Well, look at um, that. Yeah, European. but they didn't come with strong uh, food traditions. Like, I'm uh-huh. not sure that there's such a strong Scottish food tradition that my mom brought to us. We ate things like oat cakes um, and marmalade and porridge virtually every morning for breakfast. Really? That was sort of the extent of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my mom is a very adventurous cook. So we ate really uh, anything uh, that she would make.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of similar with my mom. My mom came over from the UK. So it's kind of the Mm -hmm. same thing where there's like sort of strong food traditions, but definitely not as much as, you know, other cultures where it feels like it's, you know, very different or very like unique and stand out you're kind of like yeah I mean there's fries and uh yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. food like, <laughs> yeah fried chicken you know like uh fish yeah. and chips you know nothing too nothing too crazy but yeah it sounds like there's a really cool food scene over where you are in Toronto and I've never been yeah. to Canada so I I've only heard about all this but it seems like there's kind of a lot of cool stuff going on up there
3: oh toronto it's well canada is a huge place it's a huge country yes. um but it's uh, toronto is a beautiful city and just um yeah i have to remind myself that i like how lucky i am to live in a city like this where really everyone is here um, yeah yeah it's really it's really really uh, a wonderful place so where are you based
1: I'm in Florida right now. I was living in New York most recently and then um, I'm spending some time with family in Florida. But um, yeah, I've spoken. I have a couple of friends who are also from Canada and I always like forget. I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's all these people up there and you kind of don't realize because I didn't even realize you were Canadian until you mentioned it. I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, we're just, (laughs) we were just, you know, it didn't seem like there was a crazy time difference or anything like that. We're just, we're just wheeling and dealing over here. And so, yeah, there you are. you're very, very far away from me right now.
3: <laughs> I think it's just—I think it's a three-hour flight. We go down to Florida most winters to visit uh, uh, my mother-in-law, so yes. uh, who spends the winter there with like all the other snowbirds.
1: Oh, yep, the uh, snowbirds. Yes. That is—that yeah. is, that is <laughs> definitely how it goes. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors.
2: Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Korin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Korin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Korin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit korin.com.
1: So with your cookbook release, I guess, how does it feel to kind of have this part of you out into the world? I know it's definitely a labor of love to put together a cookbook. So I respect and congratulate you on
3: that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it is. a. It's definitely a labor of love and facilitated by an amazing team at, uh, at Appetite at Random House. Um, I had no idea when I embarked on this journey, how many people are involved in publishing a book. And there are tons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of amazed at, uh, the amazing team that I worked with, but also the amount of just like the people from all over the place that are involved in putting this book out into the world. Um, so it took, it took us about two years and it is kind of a surreal experience to see this book in a store now. Mm-hmm. Um, It's really, I was at, I was at Costco last night uh, because I knew that there would be copies there and it was so exciting to see it. It was really um, so, so exciting because while you're working on it, like your head is fully in it and, you know, you know, eventually it will be in a store, but it's until you see it there that it um, feels so real all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. And what do your what do your kids think about it? I mean, this kind of was all inspired by them.
3: (laughs) So they've been along for the process. The funny thing is, I wrote it through the pandemic and their schools were closed for huge, uh, huge periods of time during it. So they uh, had no choice but to be my tasting and testing. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're pleased. None of it is a surprise because they were here for all of it. Yeah. Um, but I think for them, it's exciting. It's exciting to see it, and they've been a great support. Uh, yeah. My whole family has.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it seems like it's you know with all the the storytelling that you know comes with each part of it, and you know how this really was inspired by your family and your time as a mom. I think that it'll definitely resonate with. You know a lot of other moms who are kind of doing the same thing and ca- probably need inspiration on how to make lunches for their kids more exciting. So
3: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, lunch packing is is can be a real pain point for parents. You have to do it every day, and you want to mm-hmm. feed your kids well, but it's hard to feel really excited about it um, a lot of the time. And so, I have always wanted a resource. Um, that would help guide me in creating, just have ideas and practical tips and just sort of a, a pathway forward, you know, yeah. <laughs> what I needed to pack. And so we tried to deliver that and include, even included some calendars for people who aren't planners of two weeks of lunches to make it really oh. easy for people. Well cool. um, Yeah, to make it because like day to day you need practical advice. And so hopefully that deliver, is delivered in the book.
1: Yeah, no, certainly. And then so we're like the as you're you were sending your kids off to school with these, you know, with these lunches. Did you have like a some like envy from the other moms who were like, oh, I wish, you know, I had the time to do that. Or did you kind of start convincing the other moms like, hey, you can totally do this. Um.
3: So, you know, with some of each, I had a couple of people follow me on Instagram who were like the lunchtime monitors and oh who boy. would comment and be like, yeah, I saw your daughter's lunch today. What? Okay. Oh, oh, great. Thanks. I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> so there was that in other people that would, you know, say, you know, think, oh, I just can't do this. But really, it's all very doable. Um, yeah. And yeah, the sort of regular conversations. More than anything, I think what I pack looks like a lot more than it is. Um, you know, lunch is kind of an assembly thing. You're not doing a whole bunch of cooking to pack lunch. You're just sort of putting stuff in and by doing a little bit of work in advance, it makes it easier when you go to pack a lunch. So Mm -hmm. if you're packing soup, you know that you already made a batch of soup on the weekend and froze it in portions so that you just need to, you know, thaw it and heat it up and put it in a thermos and then just pack some fruit and veggies and like a little sandwich on the side um it's just like taking a few extra steps in planning that makes it possible to pack something i guess that looks fancy but really isn't
1: yeah and so are that's a really great tip actually do you have other like little tips like that cuz i mean even beyond lunches for kids just kind of like a lot of people are very yeah. interested in in meal prep and like you know how to get involved in that are there You know, now that you're kind of a pro at this, are there other kind of tips like that that you have to share about, you know, how to make this more feasible for the busy person who wants to take food with them to school and work the next day?
3: Oh, absolutely. So the book, first of all, is a book for everyone and not just for kids. There are lots of kids that will love everything in this book, but it's definitely intended for a broader audience Mm -hmm. um, than just kids. And one of the things we did in every single recipe is included a section called Get Ahead that includes tips and tricks so that you can do a whole bunch of the work when you have more time and not on, you know, Monday morning at seven o'clock when you're scrambling uh, to get out the door. So that means having recipes like soups and stews that you can make in advance and freeze uh, or other things. Like one of my favorite recipes is uh, for some lemon ricotta pancakes that Mm -hmm. are so delicious and easy to make um, and you can freeze them uh, in advance and just pull them out and pop them in the toaster so that they're thawed for lunch and they are really tasty at room temperature. They don't need to be hot to be enjoyed. Um, So we've done a lot of legwork to make it easy and possible for people to do this. So if you have like a few hours on a Sunday afternoon, you could make a couple of the salad dressings and a soup and maybe a stew and you'd be set uh, like for the week. Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. A couple of weeks, you know, because like the soups make every and every recipe is made to make is set to make two portions um, so that, you know, you make one lunch now and if it's something you can freeze, you don't need to have it two days in a row. If you don't like repetition, you can, you know, have it a week later or a month later. And we've got yeah. freezing guidelines as well to make that, okay. like just to take all the guesswork out.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. And I mean, I think that even it's important to note that even if you're not sending kids off to school with lunch boxes, this is like a very helpful way to kind of help the busy working adult with bringing your lunch to work or whatever it is that you have oh, going yeah.
3: on the next 100 no, yeah so we work with my husband and I both work remotely uh, I'm 100 and he goes into the office maybe once or twice a week at the moment mm-hmm. um, and I use all of these same tips so I'll make soup and freeze it in little one cup portions and then I can just throw them into a pan on the stove and defrost them for my lunch um, and I'll prep Uh, different components of different salads like the ones in the book and pull them out so I can quickly throw a salad together Um, and you know during my lunch break during the day Uh, and if I didn't do that I think I'd probably be eating peanut butter sandwiches every day yeah Um, but this way I'm not and it's uh, it's tastier but it's definitely been really useful to me even uh, working at home all the all the time.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Because I feel like that's another important distinction too, is it's not even if you're, you know, going physically to work. Cause I mean, I end up, I totally fall victim. I work from home. So I totally fall victim to just like, you know, snacking on, you know, dry cereal and then, you know, eating a granola bar and, you know, calling it a day, (laughs) you know, cause you don't, even if you, you feel like you're like, Oh, well, my, my fridge is right there. My kitchen's right there. I don't need to plan ahead, but you get, you know, stuck in the middle of a busy work day and you haven't really made the time for yourself to step away and, put together a lunch. So maybe that's something that I need to do as well is start kind of like prepping and packing some of these little lunches for myself. So I'm not just like living on cliff bars, basically.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. No, it's great. It's really great here. At least people are just offices are opening up a little bit and people are being encouraged to go to work, you know, in person, like a couple of days a week. And so Mm -hmm. the timing for the book is great because it will help with that return to work in person. Um, and I had an office day a couple of weeks ago and was so surprised at how expensive it is to buy lunch. And I don't know if I just forgot, um, but I was like, oh my gosh, I like me of all people should be bringing their own lunch. Oh my gosh. Um, Yes. But i was just like, what am I doing? Buying a salad. Oh my God. Um, But it, uh, economically it makes a lot more sense to pack your lunch and take it with you. Um, But it's not, it's like, it doesn't take that much time to get yourself organized. And then for Mm -hmm. me, at least, I know that like, as I watch the clock through the morning, it gives me something to look forward to. Like if it's like a delicious salad or grain bowl or something, Mm -hmm. um, I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for lunch.
1: Yes. So do you kind of grocery shop for the week to have all these things set up? Or is it kind of like you reload throughout the week? Or what is kind of your grocery process like for this type yeah. of packing lifestyle? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I usually meal plan kind of loosely once a week. And I started this, this is when my kids were little and it was just, there were so many decisions that needed to be made all the time. Um, like, you know, what to make for lunch, what to make for breakfast, what to make for dinner. So I decided if I spent, you know, maybe like 45 minutes each week and laid out a plan, uh, I would relieve myself of that responsibility Uh, On it, like that sort of three times a day responsibility. So, what I do is I actually, there's a picture in the book, and it's just I take a piece of paper and along the right hand side, I make a list of all of the food that I have on hand. And then I go through websites or cookbooks, whatever it is, and map out uh, our meals. And I factor in, you know, that there'll be a couple of days when we'll eat out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm always open to changing my plan so that when I get to the supermarket and there's something beautiful, I'll buy that and change the plan. Um, but basically what I do is I make a list, figure out what I want to make, add the things I need to, uh, to make sort of our menu for the week, and then I'll shop. Uh, I find with things like berries, my kids and my husband who love fresh berries, so I need to buy them a couple of days a week. Yes. Uh, at the supermarket. Same. So definitely at the supermarket, we've so many supermarkets cl- like within walking distance. So like to run down and back, I can, you know, sort of like a 20 minute trip.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's the name of the game with having, I mean, my mom would say the same thing, you know, having a family and, you know, having, yeah, I'm the same way as your kids are with the berries. Yeah. She's always like, all right, I got to get Alexis berries for the week, you know, exactly. it's <laughs> and they only last so long. So yeah, she definitely understands your pain there. <laughs> that's for sure. So, yeah, no, and you
3: need fresh bread every few days. Like, nice bread, you know, will last a couple of days, but I yeah. like to pick up fresh bread at, you know, the bakery. Uh, For sure. Yeah, I would say three days a week
1: yeah no, totally, okay, yeah well, I feel like I am definitely inspired to up my lunch game, which I feel like is the point. I feel like your mission has been accomplished in oh, okay. <laughs> in the whole you know vibe of your book and you know your online brand and everything i If there's anything that I'm taking away from this, it is inspiring to be more kind of on top of and cognizant of like making sure I take a couple easier steps throughout the week to have a actual lunch and like an exciting lunch and not just like nibbling on nuts at 3 p.m. when I realize that I haven't eaten in four hours. So I appreciate you uh, for that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's no shame in that. That is exactly what I did today. <laughs> yeah. If it happens, it happens. But no, it happens nice, but- like, yeah, exactly. Do you know what? Lunch is such a nice time in the day just to like pause and clear your mind of whatever stress from the morning.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: if you can... By, ha- by planning something delicious to eat, you sort of force yourself to pause. Uh, yeah. And I know that I have a much better afternoon if I've taken a break, even if it's like just 20 minutes to wolf down a salad. Um, it is, I'm more productive, I'm more focused, um, and I'm probably a lot nicer to work with as well than the <laughs> days when I just like ate a handful of almonds. Yep. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is true. Yeah. And I mean, I think taking that time to reset is definitely beneficial for the rest of your day. So I, yes, that should, I hope, inspire other people to do the same. And yeah, I thank you so much for being here and for sharing these inspirations with me and telling your story and for, yeah, getting me to pick up my lunch game. It's time. I'm ready.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It was so fun to speak with you about this.
1: Of course. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the FeedFeed, Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The FeedFeed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you